Welcome to the Pet Loss Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio, and I'm here with my friend and co-author, Nancy Saxton-Lopez. And this is a program that we do live every Thursday from 6 p.m. Eastern for about 30 minutes, give or take. And it's an opportunity for us to share with you some thoughts that sprang originally from a book that we wrote. It's called The Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups. And that book was drawn from decades of experience facilitating pet loss meetings, actually 30 plus years for Nancy and about 11 plus for me. And this medium allows us to have a broader reach and to dialogue with you. So please do send us your stories, your questions, your suggestions for guests. We're going to have an interesting guest in an upcoming week. Mm -hmm. And you can reach me at kenddv at gmail.com. And you can reach Nancy at nsaxtonlopez, that's N-S-A-X-T-O-N-L-O-P-E-Z at csm pc.com. All of this information I'm giving in the intro is available in the description for the program as well. You can support us with a gift through either Venmo or PayPal. You can also do a monthly subscription through Anchor. And again, the links are there. We appreciate any support that you can give us. We certainly don't require it. We do this because we, we love it. We love we doing love it. it. We think it's how we know it's helpful. And that's really the, the biggest reward. But we certainly don't mind getting a gift as well. We'd like you to know that this program is a friend of Dakin Humane Society, which is in Springfield, Mass. You can learn more about Dakin by going to DAK. I-N-H-U-M-A-N-E dot org. And we also like you to know that Dakin sponsors a monthly pet loss support group that I facilitate. It's generally on the second Tuesday of every month, as it will be this month coming up. So it'll be November 8th. It runs 6 p.m. Eastern to 7.30 p.m. Eastern. It is totally free of cost. And you can join from anywhere in the country or in the world. And it's interesting. We have people from lots of different places. Also, it would be great if you could subscribe to the program on YouTube, mm -hmm. because when there are more and more subscriptions, the program rises on the list of resources for people who are searching mm -hmm. for pet loss when they go to YouTube. So if you think this program is helpful and you'd like for other people to benefit from it, it can be helpful yeah, for you, for us, if you would subscribe on YouTube. And also if you were on, if you're on uh, Apple podcasts or any of Spotify, all the other ones, and you want to give a, a rating, that would be really helpful too. Of course, give a five-star rating if you like, like the program and find it useful. And it, that, again, it helps people to who are looking for support to find something in this program that will be helpful for them. So, Nancy, you want to get us started? Yes. Um, we are going to talk tonight about sadness and how normal that is. And the, and the context of grieving and the context of maybe more significant mental health issues. Um, but before we get into that, um, I do have, I want to talk about the holidays coming up. Mm -hmm. Now, 
I mean, it's different in Europe, I'm sh- I know, uh, or other countries. Um, but for us in the United States, you know, we have Halloween and then we have Thanksgiving and then we have Christmas and then we have New Year's. And it's a very, very difficult time for a lot of folks who are in the process of grieving the loss of a beloved animal. And so we would really appreciate it if anyone out there listening could email us on how they believe that they can get through these these holidays or this these times that really can put a lot of pressure on people. Um, we also have obviously Hanukkah here too, and that's a I think a, a longer you know period of time as Kwanzaa. opposed to Christmas, Kwanzaa. So yeah. anyone who can share with us, because I think our audience would like this, to how are you going to manage that? What do you think is helpful um, so that we can talk about that in upcoming podcasts and talk about how we help each other through this time? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so sadness now Ken um, runs the group as you already know and you had quite a few people talk about their sadness well yeah we, we've heard this in the letters that we've gotten mm-hmm. and we've shared with with the audience and also in pet loss support groups and in fact the most recent pet loss support group that I facilitated one person had the courage to say, you know, sometimes I've, I've felt during this time, like, I don't want to be here. Like I felt yeah. suicidal. When one person said that, many yeah. other people said they felt the same way. And one of the, one of the things that, that, first of all, it's so, it's so courageous yeah. to say that because it's so stigmatized. Right. And yet it is incredibly common for right. people to feel suicidal and on some to some degree mm-hmm. when we're grieving it's a it's a thought that comes to many people's it's come to mm-hmm. my mind when I, when i've been very very down and despairing and and so i think that it's just important to normalize this and to say mm-hmm. look this happens to human beings and the more that we can be honest and talk openly about everything that we experience, the more we can actually gain help from one another. And so as Nancy said, one of the themes for this evening is we want to get rid of the shroud of stigma that is over extreme sadness and where it leads us in our thoughts and sometimes in our planning and sometimes mm-hmm. even in our self towards self-destructive behavior, because it's only through opening that up and sharing that we have the opportunity to gain help. And then the other right. point that I think is just very important to emphasize in this conversation is that asking for help is absolutely one of the most important life skills that any of us can have and exercise. And it is absolutely never a sign of weakness. Mm -hmm. It is a sign of strength. It's a sign of good judgment. Mm -hmm. It's what we need to do when we are struggling. 
Mm-hmm. And sadness, look, we all we all have experienced sadness from day one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as we have a recollection of. And it's normal. You know, sadness is a very normal thing. Now, as Ken said, there are degrees, you know, of sadness. Um, and what can it lead to potentially, or what can sadness be a part of, is depression. And But that can be a reactive depression, right? It doesn't have to be a clinical depression. Mm-hmm. And so... Talk about we, the difference between... Yeah, the right. So so what happens with, with sadness that can lead into a reactive depression, which means you lost a job, um, you got a divorce, um, someone in your family is very ill, um, you, you're sick, um, and also you've lost a companion animal mm-hmm. or someone in your family mm-hmm. in, through death, right? So what happens is you could have issues with sleep, mm-hmm. you could have issues with, with appetite, you could feel hopeless, you mm-hmm. could feel helpless, you may not be able to concentrate, you may lose interest in things that you always have done, you may be fatigued, you may have low energy. Now, however, those same symptoms can be in clinical depression also. So there is a line. Now, reactive depression and sadness will end at some point. When it gets very serious and is longer term, then it becomes more of a clinical major issue. So the way that needs, that needs treatment. So the way that I've always thought about it and spoken about it is that when we're grieving, we have all of those. Mm-hmm. happening yep. and they're they're kind of all over the place like we have those physical symptoms mm-hmm. and we have behavioral cognitive. Our emotions are all mm-hmm. over the place our ability to concentrate is disrupted our short-term mm-hmm. memory is is messed up but if if we are so debilitated and so not able to function that we don't have somewhere in the span of two weeks, Mm -hmm. some relief in terms of feeling a little brighter, feeling a little more energized. But we are in fact encumbered by absolute negative feelings that never, never break, even for a few minutes for more than two weeks. Or can't function, right, right, at all. Can't function. Yeah, negative emotions that are Mm -hmm. either sadness, despair, or, or even irritability, like really nasty irritability that is unrelenting. Then we've met the criteria mm-hmm. for clinical depression. Right. And so that at that point, we really deserve to see a practitioner, a mental health practitioner who can, who can help us begin to look at how to, how to get on a path that'll get us feeling better. And we still may be grieving and you know we, that has its own time frame and can take sure. quite a while. But we deserve to have some breaks in that despair in that sense of of just being unable to function. And and grief should have we should have some times where we're feeling a little brighter. Grief tends to be like a roller coaster. Yep, up and down, ebbs and flows. Whereas, whereas when we're in clinical depression, we're just down, we're really, and we, and we often, and, and another thing about it is that we often are not 
very able to even assess that for ourselves because we're so we're so wrapped up in it right. that it sometimes another person has to say, look, you know, you've been like this for too two, long, three weeks, three weeks, three weeks. You real we really deserve for you to see somebody to talk about this. Or we can be totally immobilized, right? So we wouldn't yeah, understand that either. Yeah. And there and there's also different variations of depression, right? There's major depression. There's also kind of a low, I used to call it like a low grade fever depression, meaning you can function mm -hmm. and you could go to school, you go to work, you can be with your family, but you just aren't happy. And that's dysthymia. Dysthymia, right? yeah. Right. Or you have seasonal affective disorder, right? We're, yeah. we're, we're struggling with that. I'm starting to struggle that, with that right now yeah. with the change in the light, yeah. right? Yeah. We, and we are not, when I get up now at six, it's dark. You know, it's dark in my house right now. And so for a lot of people, that can exacerbate, right? Mm -hmm. If you ha are grieving, mm -hmm. right? So it's, it's kind of working through you know, understanding, you know, where you sit and how you feel. Yep. And just as a, as a digression, I was diagnosed by a therapist with cyclothymia, which mm. is a low grade up and down, low grade right. bipolar, never to the extremes of mania, but always sort of get, you know, racing to get things done. And then sometimes feeling pretty down and, uh, and I, I, I said to this therapist who I saw for, and I'm always in therapy, Nancy. <laughs> well, I'm, of course, we're a therapist, we're in therapy. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I, I said, you know, what's my diagnosis? Uh, what, are you, what are you calling me? Cause, and he said, I said, I, I, he said, what do you think? And I said, I, I don't know. I'm thinking ADHD. He said, no, uh, I, it's cyclothymia because you actually get things done with your hypomania. You're not scattered, which was kind of a compliment. <laughs> Yeah, right. You do get things done, right? But, so. but I mean, the way I look at this is, it's just, you know, we all we all are uh, somewhere on a scale. On we all are. Of mental health. Sometimes we're doing really well and sometimes we're not doing so well, just like physical health. And the more we can just be honest about, you know, where, where, where we are and where we've been, it detoxifies it. It, it destigmatizes. Yes. And, yep. and it's Talk just a good... It a good thing. And, and I also want to say that, you know, I was so pleased when people were talking about suicidal thoughts yep. because it's so important to just say it, to just say it and to realize that once you say it, you can talk like, so if, you, if you're passing suicidal thoughts, you know, that's pretty normal. That happens a lot. Uh, for some people, it doesn't happen a lot for some people, but it does happen in a passing way for many mm -hmm. people. And, but if you, if you have a plan, mm. if you have rehearsed your plan, right. If you have given, given things away, beginning to give things, well, then that's really serious. Mm -hmm. And so when we, when we talk with another person and they say, you know, I don't feel like I want to be here anymore. And you say, well, how far, how far have you gone with that? Like, is that just a passing thought or, or have you actually thought of a way to do it? Have you by any chance done any planning? Well, if those things are happening, then we know it's very serious and we yeah. have to help that person get help. And, the, and for example, one of the things you can do is you can say, hey, let's call the mental health crisis line, a hotline, which is 988. So you can call 988 
any time of the day or night, any day of the year, and you will get somebody on the other line. You can actually text them as well. And you will get somebody on the other line who starts talking with you about how to get the right resources to be helpful to you. It's very important to know that. And also, if the person who is feeling this way, if they also have a substance abuse issue, it's it's exacerbated. It's more, it's yeah. even more risky. If right. they have access to a firearm. Mm-hmm. It's tremendously more risky because now they have easy access to lethal means. So, and the and the one thing I want to stress, and you and I have talked about this, is mm-hmm. when you ask somebody, "Are you thinking about hurting yourself?" You will never put promote that into their mind. It never works that way because I've heard time and time again when I've done presentations on this and talked with families, they're like, "I don't know, I don't want to say that because I don't." I don't want to put the idea in their head. And there is lots and lots of, of research and clinical information that shows that that is not the way it works. It, you, will, you will either elicit, uh, you will elicit information. Right, which you need. Or another. You will get right. data, but you won't, they won't say, mm, I haven't thought about that. Maybe I should be thinking. That doesn't happen. It's much more, there's a, there's, there's much more, uh, determining factors than just somebody speaking the word. Right. It doesn't work that it's, way. If, and, and, you know, suicide is, is a behavior, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's affiliated with depression, mm-hmm. but it, you know, or other mood disorders potentially, but it's, it's a behavior. So what Ken's talking about is ideation. And a lot mm-hmm. of people say, Oh, I don't really want to be here. Uh, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I should I don't know. I'm not, I don't like my life. I'm not, I don't want to wake up tomorrow. I I don't want to wake up. Now that's ideation. But Mm -hmm. when it comes into what Ken's talking about is when there's, there starts to be someone who's giving things away, someone who talks about death a lot, someone who, um, you know, appears to be depressed, someone who is drinking too much, someone who is isolating. I mean, there's all of these factors that and then all of a sudden instead of being depressed they're happy mm-hmm. or they're right. okay and that means they may have made a decision mm-hmm. so those are the pieces that that you know family friends need to know and yes you can say do you feel like you want to hurt yourself do you want do you feel like you want to die do you do you think you want to kill yourself mm-hmm. and then that should bring out because most people are ambivalent with it. Oh yeah. yeah. Seven out of 10 and people are ambivalent and they say something about it. And most, and most people, virtually everyone who ends up either killing him or herself or themselves or trying, making a serious effort to do so, a serious attempt, virtually everyone has spoken about it with at least right. one other person. Now, many people mention it, speak about it, but they don't actually do it. They don't have any right. plan. They don't, but, but the ones who actually do do it have spoken about it. So there used yeah. to be a myth that said, if a person talks about it, that probably means they're not serious. And it's exactly the opposite. If somebody talks about it, it mm-hmm. bears exploration. Mm-hmm. Like you really want to dig into it. And if you don't feel, if you don't feel comfortable doing that, you want to at least share with somebody with someone else because mm-hmm. i can tell you in work in the workplaces where i've worked and consulted there have been times where people have 
very, very seriously describe their intention to kill themselves, actually followed through on it and killed mm -hmm. themselves. And they told other people and they asked those other people to keep it confidential. And they did. And those people felt yeah, extremely yeah. regretful about that. Yeah. So never keep that confidence. Go extend the circle of confidentiality mm -hmm. to somebody who you trust and respect and say, this is what my loved one or friend or coworker said to me. I don't know what to do with it, but I know that somebody will help figure out what's the best course of action here. Don't keep it to yourself. Never keep it to yourself. No matter whether the person asks you to promise to do it, you know, say, look, I'm, I'm going to do whatever I can to be helpful to you. Let's see if we can extend the, the circle of confidentiality to get the right people involved to help. And that, that happens a lot with adolescents, right? Yeah. Yes. And, and, and someone will come in and say, well, Molly said this, mm -hmm. and so I'm, I'm not going to say anything. And so the question is, so rather Molly be mad at you <laughs> than to die. Okay. And, so, you know, we, we need to talk about that with someone. And once this, once this circle of under, like you're not going to put it on social media, you're not going to tell the world. You're going to be very thoughtful about it. And if you're an adolescent, you're going to go to your parent or another tr very trusted adult and tell them what happened. And then when it gets back to Molly, that you're the person who shared it, you're going to have a conversation, hopefully with another adult present, who's going to mediate the conversation. And you're going to, you're going to, help Molly understand that sharing that was a demonstration of your love and concern right. for her. And most times what I've seen is that works just fine. Mm -hmm. That that works because the other person understands that. And what you can say to Molly is, if your friend were to tell you this, we would hope that, that you would, would do the same thing, right. that you would go to a trusted adult and share the information because you don't, you know, nobody who is not a mental health professional should be left with that information all alone. And of course, we understand that if somebody tells us as a therapist, we, we have to, we have to do something. We're going to, we're going to make sure that yeah. we get the right people. I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep that secret no. unless I know that a close family member knows it too, that a, another treating professional who has admitting privilege at a hospital knows it too, because you got to be safe. We've got to yeah. always protect a person's safety so they can live to feel better another time. I mean, the, how many in my practice over the years have I had to have mm -hmm. a parent, you know, take their child to the ER mm -hmm. or have, you know, them transported to an ER mm -hmm. um, because you just don't know, right? Mm -hmm. And you have you can't take that chance if what they're telling you is dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, this this conversation has gone to this very, this very dire place right. because we want to detoxify that. We want right. to say this everything that human beings experience is is something that should be 
that, that we should be able to discuss. I always go back to the great Mr. Rogers who said, if it's mentionable, it's manageable. And yeah. so we got to be able to mention everything because there's nothing new and there's nothing that should tag another person as somebody who is worthy of scorn or, or derision or anything negative. We're, we're, you know, we're in this human mess together. That's right. Try to be helpful to each other. And, and the point that we really want to leave you with as well is ask for help. We've yeah. seen this. We've seen this in the letters we've gotten. It's so gratifying to see so many people saying things like, I'm seeing a counselor. I'm using yeah. an online group. I'm doing Therapy. a lot of reading. Right. I'm, I'm listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. I'm reading your book and other books. Like that's re- that's what you got to do. You got to do whatever it takes to okay. help you to feel better, to take care of yourself. There's no there's no downside to that. Also, I want to, you know, we have a few more minutes. I want to talk about the concept of happy. Okay. <laughs> because we are in societies that we're supposed to be happy. Right. right? We're supposed to have joy. You know, the the sadness or anger or fear is not acceptable. Okay. <laughs> That's right. It's and so <laughs> and we all, a lot of us have fear. A lot of us are get angry. And a lot of us have, you know, you know, anger. We feel guilty. We feel sad. We feel whatever. But I don't know. There's all these books and the pursuit of happiness. And I think it's a defense definition issue, right? It depends on what you define happy as. But I think um, in some of the works that I've read, I think contentment is a little easier. It's a little nicer. It's a little softer. You know, if, if you and your life have, an, you know, you feel okay and you feel comfortable in what has happened or what's happening. And look, they're always going to be ups and downs. But if there's contentment, it's not that pressure to be, okay, what's, we'll be happy, right? Because that always isn't the case. You can be, but that doesn't mean you are all the time. This, this point always brings me back to Barbara Aaron Wright's book, Bright Sided where she looks at what you're describing. She looks at the, the pressure on mm-hmm. us to always be up and cheery and positive mm-hmm. and see the bright side. And, and she talks about how that is just not life, no. not reality. And that life is challenging a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And, and I like what you said about contentment because to me, contentment is more this sense that I'm appreciating and grateful mm-hmm. for the things that are good in my life. In my life. And I'm not always looking for more. I'm not always grasping for what's next. And I think that I, I also think, and, and this came from, and you and I have both done many, many programs on stress management. Oh yeah, stress management. And one of the things I've learned in those programs is that there are people who find contentment even when there's a lot of very challenging things going on. And I've asked such people over and over, how do you do that? 
And the, the answer is always some variation of, I, I note what's everything, but I really remain grateful mm-hmm. for what's, what's feeding me, what's helping me feel better. So it's, it's actually a kind of selective attention mm-hmm. that is given to the things that actually are good in my life. So, you know, maybe the, the job is very unstable and there's, there's downsizings going on all around me, or maybe I have friends who are having all sorts of challenges. Maybe there's relationship challenges, but I have a wonderful relationship with my child or I, I get I, a lot of gratification out of my relationship with my pet or pets, mm-hmm. or I am very grateful that I'm able to be physically active. And, and so that what, what I right. see is there's not, there's not like a deny, there's not like that crazy sort of hap, I've got to be happy, happy, happy all the time. There's more of a, of a sense of, I'm going to take in everything around me, but I'm also going to make sure that I am giving some degree of priority to the things that are actually going well and are gratifying. Exactly. What is, what is positive in your yeah. life? Because yeah. there are positive things. Yeah. Just- yeah. And so, you know, the, uh, this is in, in, in grief also, one of the things, and, and maybe we'll talk more about this is a tricky thing to talk about in a program on grief, but we've gotten there in some of the the letters and we certainly get there Mm -hmm. in some of the group conversations is that as our grief progresses, we're able to experience more gratitude for the relationship that we had had with our our precious beloved animal. Yeah. Here, so I'm going to show we have a okay. comment. Colleen, yes to all of this. Thanks oh, for mentioning. Nice. I try to find those things I love that ground me, keep me in the present. Really important. Keep me present yes. to help during those negative times. Right. Great episode. Yeah. Thank you. Live in, live in the moment. Thank you, Colleen. Thank you. So why don't we end there on Colleen's sure. note? That's really, that's what it's all about, really. But, you know. Don't hesitate to ask for help if you feel like you need it. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful to see that so many people are doing that. They, and, and we have helped out. So if people email us and they're in different places that it's difficult to to access resources, we, we will try to help you. So, yep. you know, um, so we just wanted to throw that out there. Yep. So, Nancy, have a great week. We'll Thank talk you. next week. You too. And, uh, Uh, Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, Ken. Take care. Bye.